Okay. Ready? We'll do. A, let's do one, two, three, four, five, and then clap on six. Okay. But do. But you got to do the ands. One and two and three and four. That. Yes. And then we'll clap five and and clap on six. Yep. Okay. Here we go. Ready? Mm-hmm. All right. Together, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Nope. Here we go. Okay. One and two and three and four and five and. Oh, I forgot to clap. God damn it, really? Hey, everybody. Welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. Dude, are you in the? Are you in Blade Runner 5? Yeah, in the future. Me and Harrison Ford are having hot dogs. Are you or he a, an, uh, a robot, AI robot? Yes, we're both AI chat GPT robots from hell here to destroy civilization as we know it cool well i'm glad to know that you're ai and that also harrison ford is ai because he was getting too old well he still wears an earring in his left ear and that's how you know he's too old he's a bad bitch (laughs) and he's too old dude if you're still wearing an earring you're way old I have earrings and I have an eyebrow ring, but they're only still in because I don't know how to take them out. Are you wearing earrings? I've had earrings since I was like 17. Let me see. Oh, yeah. I got them in both are you ears. An AI, are you an AI pirate? <laughs> Hell yeah. Rated R. That was my pirate accent. Oh, that's pretty good. Pretty good. I thought for a second I was that we were filming uh, Pirates of the Caribbean 8. I'm here in Charlottesville, Virginia on the bus and oh you're on the bus that's what it is i thought you're in one of those you know when in blade runner when they go look for some old information here's what i think is really funny about those movies guess what you guess what you need to hold all the information in the world in the future a drop of like one something the size of the pen, of a penny would hold the entire information of the world right you don't need a big spaceship with Rows and rows of like computer processing in the future. You don't need to walk down aisles and aisles of fucking servers. Anyways, but it's cool because it looks cool at least, but it don't make no logical sense. Well, this is an exciting place to be for me because this is the home of one David J. Matthews. Oh, really? David Matthews lives there? Well, he lives in Seattle now, but he's from here, and this is the city where the David Matthews band sprung into action. There's a bar. 600 feet from where I sit right now called Miller's where he was a bartender and where the other members of the band who are more talented than him would come in and play these jazz sets. And then he recruited them. In fact, you've got a little flute right now. Why don't you play Dave Matthews smash hit crash into me? All right, here's crash into me. Hike up your skirt a little more. Show the world to me. Uh, thanks for accompanying me. I, yeah, I can only do the music. I can't actually do the vocals on the flute. But yeah, I know some of you are like, "Does did he just did he just put in a CD? Did he just put in a an eight track cassette and then play that and then pretend to be playing flute because that sounded just like the actual track?" Someone told me a story about him, and I know you used to work with him a little bit, and you've had nice stories about him. But this is a pre cancellation story. If he did. The story that I'm about to retell to you now, in today's world, he goes bye-bye. And here's what happened. All right. I cannot wait to hear this story. This is right before he blew up. 
this is like 93. He's playing a club in Birmingham called the Hippodrome, small club. But I guess a few people had heard what he was up to. So there were a couple hundred people in this club. One might even say it was packed out. And this is one of those horrible clubs where the only way to get out is to walk through the crowd. You know those clubs. Oh, yeah. I play them all the time. How much do you like those? Don't. So my friend was there with his girlfriend, college age. And they got done, and he had to walk through the crowd to get out. And he caught the eye of my friend's girlfriend, and he just laid a huge kiss on her. Post-show? Yeah, on his way out. He's wa- And this is when they were in a van. So oh, he's nice. walking out to the parking lot of the van. He catches the eye of this girl. She was probably giving him some sexy eyes. He's, he was David Matthews in 1993. And he just, Romeo and Juliet style, kissed her in front of everyone, including her boyfriend. But guess what? No one cared. In fact, everyone involved thought it was a pretty good time. Now, I'm not saying men should do that or that's good or anything like that. I just find that to be an interesting tale. Here's the only time you can do that. You're Dave Matthews and it's 1993, period. Now, if you're not Dave Matthews and it's not 1993, don't do it. (laughs) Maybe reconsider. Yeah, I agree. Think twice. Be nice. Think twice. Is it 1983? 93. 83, 93. All of the dates before right now fall into the same category <laughs> oh boy. oh was it two million bc uh no dude it was one million bc oh sorry another request i have an, yeah we play please play dave matthews smash hit ants marching please he wakes up in the morning does his teeth bite to eat and he's rolling. Perfect, dude. God damn, we should take this on the road. I mean, that's definitely more of an interpretive version of that song, but it's still, you know, 98%. There's another story I have that I will now recount to you. Welcome to the show. I'm playing Charlottesville a million years ago with a songwriter that you and I both know, but I won't say his name right now because the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Can we say it in the Secret Weekly? We'll, oh, yeah, we'll say it in the Secret Weekly. Nice. But it's someone that you and I both know. And right. he, had, he had recently gotten engaged to his now wife. They've been married this whole time. But this is maybe, I don't know, 11 or 12 years ago. And this part of Charlottesville, there's this big like mall, this outside mall area. Well, so this guy that I'm with, he's, he's newly engaged. And he finds out via email that the guy that played keyboards for Dave Matthews' band, his name's Peter Greiser, used to date his fiance. And he is not feeling good about the fact that a former member of the David Matthews band was putting it in his fiance. Okay. Is he is he HPV? I don't know what the HPV sitch is uh on in, in anyone involved. No, like peeved, but H peeved. Oh. Yeah, he's real in his feelings about the whole he's thing. He's a little HP bead. Well, because what happened was, and I'm curious what you make of this move. So this guy, Peter Greiser, he was in the band when they were playing clubs in Charlottesville. When they blew up, he decided that life's not for me. So he quit the band. So he's not a famous guy. Very few people know who he is. Mm-hmm. So that guy reaches out to this singer-songwriter and says, Hey, I heard you're engaged to so-and-so. Um, and I, I saw that you're playing in Charlottesville tonight. I would love to come see your show and say hi to you. I've heard, your, I've heard your music's great. Um, I would just want to let you know I'm coming to the show, and I would love to meet you if possible. Well, this artist did not take that kindly. It got him all in his feelings, because he's thinking, what's this motherfucker up to? He wants to meet me? He used to have relations with my fiancé? 
He was in the successful band. He's just not liking it. Now, first of all, before I continue the story, what do you make of the dynamic so far? Well, I'm starting to get an idea of who this person might be that you're talking about. Would that bother you? If some guy who I'm about to marry his ex-girlfriend wants to come up and talk to me, first of all, I know one thing about the guy, Beta. <laughs> beta Max. Or he's just a cool guy. <laughs> that dude's just... No. No? That dude's straight... Dude, guess what I'm doing? If any of my exes are going to marry some dude, guess what I'm not doing? Going to his show? <laughs> Well, he's either a, <laughs> Am I going to his show? Look, he's either a beta or he's kind of a cool motherfucker that doesn't have anything to prove and isn't trying to play any games. He's just being cool. Look, I've got a whole porn hub category for him called Cuck. <laughs> well, he, well, anyway, sorry. So, all right. sorry. I, I don't know this guy. Maybe he's a cool dude. I don't know. I mean, I guess I, maybe I met him when he was on tour with Dave Metz. I don't remember them having... Here's how beta that guy is. I don't remember them having a keyboard No, player. he quit before they did any like real national touring. Oh, well, there you go. So this guy's nothing to be threatened by. I mean, look, let me, agree. let me go ahead and agree with you. If I'm the guy getting this email, I'm not loving it. Let's, let's just face the facts. No, there's not, not much to like about it. But here's what you right. do. Here's what you do in that situation. You say, hey, man, yeah. I'll put you on the guest list. How many tickets do you need? And because he's coming to your show where you're king shit. And you're the one marrying this motherfucker. All right. You win. All right. I'm going to tell you exactly what I would do. Let's hear it. First of all, <laughs> there wouldn't be response. If the guy's emailing me, there's no response. He's sending an email into the black void. There's no, no return. But you're reading it. But you're reading it. Oh, I'm reading it and deleting it. Reading and deleting. And then are you feeling any feelings afterwards? Or are you, no, is it gone? I'm like, no. Like, do I think about the bug that I just hit as I'm flying down the highway with my brand new Mercedes bands? No, I hit the windshield wiper. And then I'm thinking about whatever's, you know, in my mind. But I'm not thinking about that bug. Well, so we do this whole sound check. And I'm hearing about it all day. And can, I'm going to give you a guess on the percentage level of how much I give a fuck. All right. On a scale from zero to 100, where 100 is you truly give a fuck, and right. zero is you give zero fucks. Right. Zero. Yeah. What's less than zero? There's nothing less than zero. That's what I'm you talking about. You get into about. negative numbers, then you're like time space continuum it fucks up the fabric of reality but this guy but this guy is a friend of mine and i do care about him and you know he went through some gnarly shit with me so i'm being a good buddy yeah but I, but i'm getting tired we do our whole sound check he's in his head we're walking down this mall where there's just tons of restaurants and venues and we're trying to find a place to eat and we can't settle we're like looking at menus no i want this kind of sandwich blah blah, blah. well finally I'm like, look, the very next place that we stop that has a menu, we're eating and getting a beer, period. We do that. We sit down. We're looking at the menu. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to let it go. I'm just going to let it go. I look at the menu, and I realize that arbitrarily, we have sat down at Miller's Bar where Dave Matthews met this guy and put the band together. And I said, hey, baby, I don't mean to put any gasoline on this fire. But we're at the very place where that guy launch his career into the stratosphere so do with that what you will i like whenever somebody i like whenever anybody starts the sentence by the way 
because it doesn't matter what they say. It's just good. I, I, I like, by the way, as soon as somebody says, by the way, I'm like, hey, by the way, no need to finish or continue on with that sentence. <laughs> yeah. Let me interrupt you real quick with your, let me interrupt that, by the way, by the way, let's just call it a day. <laughs> by the way, shut up. All right. Anyway, so you tell them, hey, this is where Dave Matthews. And I said, look, you can either choose to interpret this as some sort of cosmic omen. Or you can let it go as a nice, well, not even nice, a little coinky dink, a little, a little happenstance, and it upset him. It made him more upset, and that's pretty much it. The guy never came to the show, right? No, nothing ever happened. And he never came to the. He show. never even came after all that, dude. He never. Even oh my came. god! I had a dude one time. I had a pretty traumatic breakup with a girl before I got married. And it, it was pretty rough. I really loved her. She loved me. She fucked up and cheated on me. And then she, we broke up. She was devastated. Her way of dealing with that was she got engaged to this guy she met on the internet pretty quick. And they were having some relationship troubles pretty early on. Shocker. little trouble in paradise. And he reached out to me to try to get advice about how to deal with her. And I was like, listen, man. I'm not the guy to help you piece this puzzle together. And the fact that you thought I was the guy kind of tells me you're crazy good luck have fun well i've got a pretty good dave matthews story so i probably have told you this story before if i have please interrupt me so i'm on tour with dave matthews for about two and a half months they're super nice this is he's just getting started he just released his first album under the table and dreaming We're doing a co-headline tour with big head todd and the monsters um, we started on the East Coast where Dave Matthews was going to be headlining because he was slightly bigger than Big Head Todd on the East Coast. And then as we moved West, Big Head Todd was going to take over and be the headliner. But as you know, during this tour, Dave Matthews became a huge and a big hit, Crash Into Me or whatever that song was on Under the Table and Dreaming. So by the time... Well, that was on Crash. Uh, not, the song you're talking about was probably Ants Marching or Satellite or what would you say? Yeah, Satellite. That was the one. Okay. Anyways, so that... That became a huge, he became huge, so they headlined the whole thing, but that has nothing to do with it. So we're on this tour. They're super nice. Everybody in Dave Matthews is really nice. We're the opener of three, so we don't have shit in our dressing room. This is back in my drinking days. They have everything in their dressing room. They're pretty heavy drinkers. They like to party. So we were kind of in their dressing room the whole time. Like as soon as they'd go on stage, I would go in there and just drink all their beer. So... One night we're hanging out in there. Dave Matthews is sitting in the corner. He's got his guitar. And I've been watching them play and kind of like, I don't get, I didn't, I don't get it. I'm like watching them and I'm listening to the music and I'm like, I don't get it. I don't know why these people are loving this music so much. It just didn't resonate with me or something. And, and I will say this, I didn't get it until a couple years after that tour and I was at somebody's house and they played a live Dave Matthews record. And when I heard that live Dave Matthews record for the first time, I kind of got it. I was like, Oh, this is amazing actually. Which is weird because you saw it live. You saw, you know, I saw it live, but I'm telling you, it was like, I went on this vacation one time to the Bahamas. I had a horrible time. The, the beach had like little mites in the sand and they were like, 
I, I we went like horseback riding on the beach and the horses were kind of stinky and I, I just didn't have a good time. Like the food kind of made me ups, my stomach a little upset or whatever. And I just didn't have a good time. Now, a year later, I was looking at photos from that vacation and it was, they were the most beautiful photos I've ever seen. Like a Corona beer commercial. I was just like, Jesus Christ, what a paradise I was in. And I didn't have a good time the whole time I was in paradise. And it was kind of the same thing with the Dave Matthews. Like I'm in the middle of it, I'm watching it, but somehow, because I wasn't the headliner maybe, or I'm on the side of the stage, or there's something about my ego, or who knows? But I just didn't get it. And I was just like, I don't get it. So cut back to now I'm, we're backstage. Dave Matthews got a guitar. People are kind of partying. I think it's after the show. Everybody's had a few drinks. And I'm sitting there with Dave. And back in those days, I was kind of a hot dog. I was pretty young, like 29, 28, 29 years old. And I like to think of myself as kind of like an improv guy. Like I can make up songs. I'm yeah, pretty smart. You are like that. You're pretty good at that. Yeah. And back then, I just thought, I'm kind of hot shit. I can fucking kind of do that better than anybody. Right. So Dave's there and I'm like, hey man, why don't you play something? I'll just fucking make up some shit, bruh. And he's like, yeah, cool. No, no doubt. So he starts playing some Dave Matthews type chords, which are cool. Ding, dang, ding, ding, bang, ding, dang, ding, bang, bing. You know, like weird shit. And I start like, hey man, I gotta dig. I'm all fucking <laughs> up with the thing. <laughs> <laughs> doing my fucking bullshit was anybody laughing was anybody enjoying it no we're we're in the corner nobody's paying attention to either of us they're all doing their thing we're just kind of over in the corner nobody it's not like we're the center of attention right it wasn't like a movie where there a, a circle formed around you no nobody's gives a fuck dude everybody's doing their own thing they're trying to fucking get laid or get drunk or having their own conversations we're just over in the corner we're not nobody's paying attention so i do my thing i'm like well that wasn't too bad and then Dave Matthews, polite as fuck, goes, man, that was great. I was kind of hearing this. And then this motherfucker starts singing a melody completely counter to what he's playing on guitar with, like, not great lyrics, but just the melody that he was singing to this thing that he was playing and it just blew my fucking mind dude i was just, it just came out of left field it was so original and so different and i was like oh this dude's operating on a different fucking level dude and i guess it's because he grew up in south africa and maybe he was listening yeah. to all this south african shit or something right and i just was listening to like mainly r&b and rhythm and blues like early rock and roll shit and so all of my shit comes out of three chords and his shit comes out of or whatever the fuck they're playing in south africa anyways it blew my mind and it just really made me completely respect him as like this musical person so like when you said he picked up these guys that were like better than him they right. might be have been proficiently able to play drums better than him or bass better than him, but nobody in that band was at the level of where he was. Like his musical, the the sophistication of his musical abilities 
was incredible. That's why that's why he was able to get those guys to play with them. Those guys right. were the best jazz musicians around, and they saw what I saw, and they were like, "Oh, we're gonna we're gonna play with this guy." That that's exactly the story. Like the story was that these were like the top shit guys, and these are like some very formidable musicians. Oh yeah, and he like had to work up the courage over the courses course of eight months to play them a song, and then these guys heard it and saw the spark or whatever. Right. Um, so let me ask you this. So when, when you got you and Dave shared that moment, how did it end? Like, what did you, how did you respond to that? Well, I was just like, Jesus Christ, dude, I'm going to go murder myself. I'm going to go kill myself right now. Right. Right. Any other times that you guys hung out, any other memories or if you hung out with the band or the drummer? Or... I mean, cause two months, that's a long run. It was, but I'm telling you, dude, I was, I was either incredibly, if I was sober, I was so crazy, introverted, and shy, I wasn't going to go talk to anybody. And then when I was drunk, I was kind of a, kind of a dick. So I wonder if he watched y'all set. I bet he did. I mean, he was watching the set. We, we had some good shows. I will say this a couple years, I ran into him a couple years later. This was after I'd gotten sober, maybe four or five years later, backstage at some festival. And he knew, like, he knew me right away. He was like, hey, Bob, what's up? And I was like, how do you, how do you remember me? I mean, it'd be one thing if you're like, oh, that's the lead singer of Ugly Americans. But it wasn't like I was touring as Bob Schneider. Somehow right. he knew my name from like five years ago. That, that's the kind of weird shit, dude, where you just understand how he is as big as he is. I'll, I'll tell you the other thing I, I watched on that tour was every show he'd get done playing and he'd go to the side of the stage and there'd be hundreds of people lined up to get autographs. And instead of just signing autographs as quickly as he could, he would like draw a picture, write a poem, hang out, talk to these people. I mean, for like a minute or two each. And there was hundreds of people. I mean, it would take hours. Right. And he would connect with these people the same way he connected with me. Like we only hung out for maybe, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes, the whole two months. And to this day, I'm tell, I'm raving to everybody about how great he was. And that's how he had that effect on everybody. Yeah, that's interesting. It's fascinating. Yeah, I mean, that's how, like, Zach Brown, same thing. Like, Zach Brown, he did, you know, you know about him, like, creating, like, the big barbecue cookouts before the show. and Yeah, I toured with him for, like, six months. I was in a band, and we were signed to his label, and he... He did this thing that was, it was, you couldn't pay for it. It wasn't like a VIP thing. It was all radio contest winners where you could meet the band and have like a VIP hang. But that whole thing started with them feeding these winners dinner. And it was Zach and the band who served them the food. Right. And like making those connections. And then those people are like his apostles. They yes. go out and spread the gospel. Like I'm spreading the gospel right now. You know, it's funny about, and you, yeah, and you don't even, I mean, you don't actively listen to his music, do you? You don't, you, that never really stuck with you. No, never listened to it. But what's interesting about you meeting him that way, being on that tour and going and taking all of his booze is that's how I met you. Cause I, when I was touring with this guy, Griffin house, that's what we did when we did that show with you is we went on your bus while you were playing and drank all y'all shit. Yeah. And now look at us. That's the way it works. Dude, <laughs> we would when we were on we were on this horde tour with Cheryl Crow 
And she was the headliner on the small stage. Her first album had just come out. Nobody knew who she was. We didn't know who she was. Nobody knew who she was. She had a song called like Leaving Memphis or Walking in Memphis or something. Remember that well, she, song? Wait, did she have that song? All I want to do is have some fun. She hadn't, that hadn't come out yet. So uh, the so, only, oh, this is oh, the, this is her first album. That's right. Her That's first right. album. And the only song that had come out so far was like Walking in Memphis or Leaving Memphis or something, which was fine. Right. That, was a, that was an okay song. And, but she was the headliner on the small stage, so she had all the goods in her dressing room. We were the first band on the small stage, Ugly Americans. We had nothing, and and we became friends with her, and she would just let us, you know, pilfer her alcohol. And I remember the last day of the tour. Leaving Las Vegas. Leaving Las Vegas. Her and album, we're, that was called the Tuesday Night Music Club, 93. Right, and 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 like, and we would hang out with her and like, like I remember, we we stopped in in San Francisco, or maybe I think it was San Francisco, and she had a gig at like maybe the Fillmore. I was like, "There's no way this chick's gonna fill up the Fillmore," and sure enough, it was kind of full. I was like, "What the hell is going on?" And then the last show, there was like a couple thousand people in front of the stage where she was playing, and I was just like, "What the fuck?" And then as we were leaving, in fact, it was the last day of the tour. We we're all saying goodbye. She gave me her number. She's like, "Hey, here's my number. Give me a call anytime you want." I'm like, "Cool." Immediately threw the number away. I'm like, "I'm not calling this lady. She's old." I mean, I was like 28. She was like 37 or something. I'm not calling this lady. <laughs> Nailed it. So I threw the, I immediately threw the number away. Immediately, like before I even got off the bus, I'd already gotten rid of it. And then we're we're driving away from the venue and I see all these people in front of the stage. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And the radio was on, and all of a sudden, all I wanna do is right. have some fun. And all I could think was, all I wanna do is get that fucking number back. <laughs> Dude. I threw away that number too soon. Wow. That's a lesson for all you babies out there. Yeah. Hey, don't. so when you, when you were doing Horde, were you out there with Blues Traveler? Yeah. Do you remember that show that we did with Blues Traveler? Yeah. We'll have to talk about that in the Secret Weekly because that was wild on a lot of levels. Are you talking about the um, one in Cleveland? Yes. That's exactly what oh, I'm talking yeah. about. Uh, who else was on that Horde tour? I saw that Horde. I saw the Horde tour in like 95, 96. Big Head Todd was on there. God damn it! I don't know who I don't know who that. It's interesting to was. think about because now that I think about that time, I was I was pretty young. I was in eighth and ninth grade, but Ugly Americans was of course like perfect for the Horde tour. By the time I was going to Horde, it was like Fastball, Blues Traveler, Bare Naked Ladies. Well, Blues Traveler are the ones that put the thing together, so they right, were always on festival. the tour. It was their festival. Yeah. I think Almond Brothers were the headliner that year. Okay, and we were like. The Ugly Americans were like uh, Almond Brothers wannabe band. It was a horrible band. But I didn't... I was drunk the entire time I was in that band. I was in that band for two years. I was drunk for two years. I never was not drunk. I love that Vulcan Death Grip song. It's such a funny, strange song. And a strange video. Yeah. That's... that. If you're like, hey, I wonder what the 90s were like. Like, exactly. let's say you're Let's say you're under 30. I wonder what the '90s were like. Look up Vulcan Death Grip by Ugly Americans, and then you'll. Know. It is. It is like a Blind Melon video meets Red Hot Chili Peppers. I mean, the stew that was, of that. That was Mike Judge's 
brother who directed that video. Ah, interesting. Which is funny because we're like, what? So not Mike Judge? No, his brother wants to direct the video. <laughs> Great. Bill and Judge. We're, yeah, we're like, uh, okay. Is Ugly Americans music like available on Apple Music and Spotify and shit? Is it all out there? Yeah. How many it's, records did you guys make? They're all I think they're all out there. They were on uh what was the what was the label? Um Capricorn Records, I think. Well, how many records did you make? We made two studio records and we made one live record that was the guy who did Wildflowers, the Tom Petty record. He Rick engineered Rubin? it. No, the, oh, guy, the guy who, who engineered it. Yeah. What's that? Yeah, the guy who engineered it. I gotcha. Yeah, yeah. We made that at the Tim Fox Theater in Boulder. Oh, yeah. But that record sounds good. But, uh, dude, I got sober in 95, and we had just recorded our first record, and we were signed and on a label, and I got sober, and I was like, this band sucks. It didn't, it wasn't like they sucked. They were, the band was fine, but the it just wasn't music you liked. I hated the music. It was not good. It just seems so wild that, as the front man and what I assume is primary songwriter, that you were in such a booze cloud that when you came out of it, you looked around and you were like, I don't even like this. It was just boring. I I like music that's got some kind of edge to it. But it seems weird that you were making music that was boring to yourself. I was drunk. It's like when you're having a... That kind of explains it, yeah. When you're having a conversation with somebody, like if you're drunk, you can have a conversation with anybody. And if you're drunk and smoking, you really could have a conversation with a rock. Oh uh, man, there's nothing worse than hitting the hitting the the bottle, and the next day people are looking at you with that look in their eye, Ugh. and you're like, "What?" And they're like, "What do you mean, what? You don't remember yeah. last night?" And you're like, "No, is everything cool?" They're like, and then people just shake their head, and you're like, "Oh fuck, dude!" I used to make friends very fast and very quickly, and then I would see them the next day, and they would just avert their gaze, and I'd be like, <laughs> "What the fuck happened?" Yeah, that's alcoholism, I guess, for you. All right, we got to kick it to the Secret Weekly. This is fun. We are going to be talking in the Secret Weekly about a very interesting time that we hung out with John Popper. And uh, if you want to join us there, you can get on patreon.com slash OK. You can support the show that you know and love and depend on every week. And uh, you can also hang out and hear things from us that we literally cannot say on the actual show. So join us now on the Secret Weekly. If not, no big whoop. We will see you on the flippity floppity. Bye. Bye. <laughs>